If all else fails, there's an exit door right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you don't know who I am. Yes, Ryan Fosnock. Um, I am the location pastor for Grace Tremont. Um, normally, I'm actually like, welcome to Grace Tremont. Actually, last service, I actually made that mistake. And I said, welcome to Grace Tremont. But welcome. Uh, welcome to Grace Cresona. If you're a new visitor, please give me a little bit of grace. <laughs> um, the... Uh, um, just, I mean, a quick update for Trima. I mean, it's going really, really well up there. And um, the, just the, the, the character that we learned here, you know, the team that's here, the, the congregation that's here, the, the, the membership that's here, is like we're just, we're replicating that just in, in a different space. So it's, it is really cool to actually be back. Um, um, I came in this morning and it was just like I came in and like just the setting of the church is like we haven't been here for a while other than maybe to pick up, you know, some papers and stuff like that. And, um, but like walking in here is like, you know, like a, you smell the coffee and you have the same welcome and then people that approach you and stuff like that. And at the same time, um, Rebecca th- was ready to like start changing the, 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 the trash bags and all this other stuff. I said, no, no, it's a good smell. It's a good smell. It's, you know, it doesn't, it, it's, it's just the setting. It, it is just really cool to be back. Um, but I'm going to start with, uh, let me start with prayer because I need it. Um, I'm, I'm sure, um, I'm sure you may need it too. So let me start there. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house uh, this place is because of you. Uh, we are because of you. And we need your help. Uh, help me to stay out of the way. Uh, let your words just be able to ring into the hearts of my own and, and those here uh, because we, we, we need more of you in our life. Uh, and it's all because of you that we do have life. And in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, I will... St- if you want to pull up uh, Matthew 13, and that's where I, we'll, we'll, we'll be reading from today. And if you're like me, usually you're probably sitting there uh, to be like, okay, can you give me the verse too? Because I want to prepare. When you start reading, I don't want to be flipping around. And then there's the other people that are like, yeah, whatever. And they're just sort of like, you know, like cheating on the test to see where you're turning and stuff like that. So it is mass, you know, so, so chill out. Uh, I say that to myself too. It's like, chill out. It's just verse one. Uh, but my kids always, usually they like to test out jokes on me or at least, you know, like punchlines and stuff or like even riddles and things. And you may have heard this one before is they came home and they're like, hey, dad, dad. All right. So you're driving a bus at the first stop, you pick up seven people. The next stop Three people get off, two people were thinking of getting off, but they didn't, but then you also picked up like four more. So the third one, uh, you stopped in Tremont, you got four people, six people got off. Um, so at the end, so dead, what are the, what's the color of the bus driver's eyes? And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, two, five, six, two. Those two don't matter, all this other stuff. So I get to the end and I'm like, what are you even talking about? That doesn't even make sense. So I, you know, I, I completely missed, you know, the first instruction. I was also that kid in school was just like, you get that, that, that paper that says, read all the instructions first. And they give you all these things and I'm doing all the work and all this other stuff wondering, what, what, what is everybody doing? Why are they just sitting there? And I get to the end and like, merely put your name at the top of the paper. 
I was that kid that did all the work and everything else. So, um, so it's at the core, and I could get so hung up on you know jumping right into the right into the work, and I could get hung up in the details too, but um, overlooking oftentimes the main key of the story, like the bus driver was me. If you're wondering if you would, if you're right like me also, is like I was the bus driver. Um, so my eyes are blue, in case you're wondering. Um, but I am going to read from Matthew 13. So it is the parable of the sower. Um, and you may know as parables is that what a parable does, it, 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 it speaks a spiritual truth in a circumstance or a situation of, of a relatable story to the audience. But what it also does, it, it unmasks some of the behaviors or some of your assumptions, and it starts off with certain things that we assume or expect to be true. So we all know that in order for something to grow, that there is some type of seed or something that grows, and there's also a media soil that needs to be there in order for this thing to grow in. Okay, so let's, we could start with that. That's very simple to, to do, but um, let me start with there, starting in verse one. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So we're not talking about just a couple people, his 12 disciples and things like that. We're talking about a large crowd that he needed to be elevated to the point where he is talking to people on the shore. So he's elevated, sitting in this boat, talking to everyone. Then he told them, many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And he references the Old Testament. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become callous or hardened. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. He's talking to his audience. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And these are always my favorite parables because Jesus explains them, makes it very, very simple to me to understand that. 
Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, the message of the kingdom is, is, is the gospel, the, the good news of what Jesus is trying to say and what he's done, and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So there's the sower delivering the gospel, delivering the message of God, the, the, the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom, and the seeds are falling where they, where they may. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So here's some of the basic truths of this, is that regardless of where this message falls, wherever this, this seed gets sown, Jesus is speaking to your understanding. You know, as a follower, as a follower of Jesus, or even to someone who is not. And there's plenty of benefits listening to Jesus, but the core is the truth of what's being shared. The responsibility, fall, the responsibility of what to do with that truth falls on our ears, falls on our reaction, falls on our action that spurs out of it. And here's the, here's the interesting thing is, like, we have the Bible. We have the written word. We could see beginning to end. We could see how all the Old Testament was in anticipation of this Savior to come. And here we get to see, like, what Jesus said, how he explained it, and we get to read it from beginning to end. But for them, the word was sitting right in front of them telling them. The word was Jesus. Jesus was the one. He was the good news. He's the one who fulfilled what the gospel even means is that he came to live, to die, to bear our sins forevermore. And you don't have to work as hard as you think you do because he's already done the hard work. So the secret of the kingdom falls on the ears of, of those that need to respond to it. And we get to see and hear that written word. We get to touch it. We get to read it. We get, it actually is a, a, a piece of, uh, we get to grab it and pick it up. And then there's four, four responses to the word. There's the, the, the four soils, and I could touch on them quickly, is that, you know, the, the, the beginning is that this seed falls on this compacted, worn path. Seed doesn't get into the media to grow. And think of it this way is as, you know, if you call this, you know, your church home, is like you invite someone to church. You know, like be, being, you know, being a follower of Christ isn't about the church building, but it's one mechanism, it's one tool to be able to share that gospel, to share that word with someone, right? So if this falls on that compacted path, this is the, uh, the, the no result, no response. Well, thanks for the offer, but I'll pass. They don't, they don't come. Uh, the second is, you know, it falls on rocky ground where there's some media for it to grow. 
that the response is like, it's accepted with enthusiasm, like, yes, yes, I get it, I get it, and then, but quickly falls away because a lot of times the benefit of Jesus and where he feels and what he can do easily gets overshadowed by everything else. So it's accepted quickly. So that, that could be someone who comes to church and be like, yeah, that's great. Check you out at Christmas. You know, I'll see you then. The really cool part is that Grace Church here is regardless of what soil you're stepping on, what soil you're in, you're all welcome here. And then the third, of course, is like that next step, someone who receives the word and then they're competing with thorns. I mean, thorns are ouchy. There's a lot of ouchy things in our lives. Like there's things that hurt. And usually the ones that hurt impact us the most and the devil has a tactic to really, to try to attack you and make, make those ouchy things count at your weakest point. And ev- evil entangles. I mean, it... it Worry, and, and it specifically says here is like, you know, worry and the, and the impact and the, the responsibility of, 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 of having wealth. And those things could purely outshadow what God wants you to do. So you're going to be, as a believer, at a crossroads between do I choose God and understand my identity in him or do I follow these other things? Do I follow God and be a manager and a good steward of these other things? Or do I choose these other things? Because everything is competing for the most valuable thing that you have is your time, is your effort. And a lot of times, God is the one, anything that substitutes you know, your major anchor in your life, the one thing that like, holds you true, if it's not anchored in him, those other things could be lost very, very quickly. And then, of course, there's a the last one. There's the good soil, the preferred, the preferred option. And this is the, you know, it produces a crop. I don't know about you, but the best thing about having a garden is actually getting something out of it. You know, every, you know I, I plant tomatoes, big salsa fan. I like those packets and all that other stuff. So, you know, the best thing about having a garden is getting something out of it. And that's what he's referring to here is, you know, like, I think the worst thing, I, I love strawberries, but it's like the opposite of a garden. Like, you actually get the benefit immediately, and then you got to work later to do it, and it just doesn't work. It didn't work out in our family. I mean, it, and plus, the local grocery store is just as easy to, to get that, too. Um, so, and there's no distinguishing between, you know, like, what the rate of return is. You know, the 100, the 60, the 30 is like, like, it's a return all rates of return are really, really good. But the results depend on how we hear from God. Like this whole parable, it, it's, it's, it's the gateway parable. He started off with this parable to say, the whole thing is like, this depends on how you hear God. Like where you go from here. If you can hear this, everything else will make sense. Your response of how you hear, it matters. And failing to hear this parable, it doesn't lead you into that other understanding. You know, it doesn't, just because you don't understand this one thing doesn't mean that you can't understand the Bible. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the whole context is like, I'm the word, I'm telling you, please hear. But the one fatal flaw that we easily could come out of this is like, yeah, we got all these soils and everything else. Is like, the fatal flaw is like, you can't assume that you're good soil. 
you don't start with good soil. Or we can't assume that all of our soil is good. Even the best Christians are floating somewhere between the, the, thorny, the thorny path and maybe the good soil, or they, they slip back into some rocky ground. <laughs> you know, so just because you're in one doesn't mean that you're not in another. But even with all these options of how we hear and what the work is and on this, it's like, what's the color of the farmer's eyes? Are we, did we miss the core truth here? Is that we don't have seed, we don't have soil, we don't have a path, we don't have the act of sowing or the, the spreading a seed without the farmer to begin with. He's been there the whole time, the farmer. And if we, could, if, we ask that, or if we try to answer this question, like how would you answer this question? Like what is the greatest good on this earth in your life? What's that greatest good? I mean, there's, there's some pretty awesome things. You know, um, one of the really, really cool things that I like to do if, when I get home from work and I come into the house is like we still have a six-year-old boy that like he will drop everything to be like, dad's home. That is like the coolest thing. I remember prior to having kids, having a niece and a nephew that would do that. That is like the coolest like embrace that you feel so welcoming and, 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 and enjoying that. But we can't have that without the farmer to begin with. So the greatest good in this earth, the greatest good on earth is God. We need to act like it, and we need to acknowledge that too. And God was always there. He was, he is, he always will be. And a couple verses I want to just draw out in the Bible is like in Malachi, it says, uh, this is God talking. He said, I, the Lord, do not change. He's constant, constant security, an unchanging character always. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the 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 descendants of Jacob, Jacob was one of the pillars, one of the pillars of faith in the Old Testament. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So just because God is, is because we are too. We exist because of him. In Hebrews 13, it says, he's the same yesterday as he was today. And he's also described, too, as just being eternal. He's described as that throughout the Bible, from everlasting to everlasting. In Ephesians, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So he knew you were going to be exactly right here. Maybe in the front row, in the, in the splash zone that I keep seeing that comes out of my mouth. Um, that... The other thing is like, even, even his name, God's name, when Moses was approaching the, the burning bush and God's presence was right in front of him and God calls him to do this work and he says, go back to your people. I want, I want you to lead my people. He says, well, who, who do I say sent me? Who? And God, God describes his own name as I am. He is. Like it's constant forever. He is. And that is his name. In James 1, he says, Every good and perfect gift, gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God's light. I mean, we could read that. But light doesn't create shadows. Obstructions of the light create those shadows. 
Something in the way of the light is, the, is what casts darkness. I was talking to my daughter. Uh, she's like, Dad, what are you going to be talking about on Sunday? Just curious. I said, oh, you know, you know, God, he's unchanging. He's there forever. He was, he is, and always will be. I go, what do you think of that? And she goes, comforting. She's 13. Um, I said, oh, yeah, what, um, why? What, what's that mean to you? She said, well, I, I know that he's always there, and he always knows what's going on, and um, I don't really like explaining myself, so he just knows. Like... <laughs> Like, thank you. For, I'm going to go now. Thank you, daughter. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, don't we have trouble explaining? You know, someone's like, oh, who's God to you? What's God like? How is, what's he like? What's he like to you? How has he served you? What has he done for you? It's like, we intentionally or not, I mean, we're, we're approaching God in our own way. We're... In our own human understanding, which could easily be flawed, it easily could be limited, it, and it could be like disgustingly rational all at the same time. Like we can impose what we think God is like, and, but we've also like questioned him too. Have you ever questioned God? Like, you know, why God? Who, who are you anyway? You know, we've been through that, those questioning, but there's, there is a difference between questioning and accusing him. I, um, being a middle-aged man, still younger than Pastor Josh, that um, <laughs> I've learned that my life lesson is like, not everyone, not everyone thinks like me. <laughs> but even if, not everyone thinks like me. God still relates to you. He still relates to me. He's going to communicate right like he has in this parable. The same message. It falls on my ears, though. And in a time where things have been constantly changing, I mean, these last year, two years, whatever it may be, where change is, seems to be the normal thing, the one thing that anchors us or thinks that anchors us may have been lost. I mean, it, you may have lost it this morning. And the longer that we sit there and try to pick up the pieces of that one thing that we think that anchors us as, as what it makes us most secure is we're going to be left behind. And it's difficult to be, it's difficult to be thankful when, when those things are taken away. Why is, why is like every news broadcast breaking? Even if it's just raining, it's like the most urgent news that everybody needs to learn. <laughs> like, oh my word, it's raining today. Why do I feel such an urgency? It's like, okay, like, like kids, grab an umbrella. Boys, wear your rain boots like you do every single day. Um, so, I mean, we have such things, that, you know, I, I don't even need to mention the things that, you know, could just get us wound up get us emotional about why it's so hard to keep hope and keep things that are alive and why we need to stay thankful. But your response is, is like, yeah, God's great and all. Yeah, that's, that's really cool that he's, you know, unchanged and he, he provides security, but that's sort of bad news to me because my, my opinion of God is that, you know, he, he doesn't like me. 
that he's angry with me. There's no way I could fulfill the expectation that God has set on me or has imposed on me. But God's, God's disposition is not that, that he's sitting there trying to poke his finger right in your chest or on your shoulder and say, I've been, I've been watching that. I've been watching you. Because his disposition is love. Like we're described as his prized possession. Like the best thing that God has is us. And the day, that, the day that I realized when Adam and Eve, they sinned against God and they were sent out of the, out of the Garden of Eden, is that I've always, uh, I've always understood that as like, well, that was their punishment. It's like, no, God, out of an act of love, for someone to live the rest of their life in pain and suffering and to do that for the rest of time would be torture. He clothed them and he invited them to be able to have a limit to what this life can be like. So it's, it, it's God's rescue plan after that. God set in motion a rescue plan to save us. And it's not because he needs it, because we do. We need it. So God has this unchanging character. Paul Tripp, he's a very experienced pastor, he said, we need to understand the whole of what is said of God to understand one thing about God. So if we don't understand like the, the encompassing nature of God, it may not put into context the, the one thing that we need to understand that we're trying to figure out about God. So if I could encompass God, it is God, God is love. Love's the hard part. You know, as a parent or as a friend or something, like, love has a lot of different views. There's that hard love. You know, sibling love, like, how do I look in this outfit? Terrible, you should change. Thank you. You know, like, that's like some pretty blunt love, sibling love. You know, as a parent, though, is like to selectively be able to say, how do I show my kids the proper love to say, like, that's an appropriate outfit to wear to go to school or not because of the outcome? Or do I speak to them in a way that challenges them beyond their capabilities to, for them to grow? You know, so there's, there's a whole aspect of love from friendship to intimacy to protection to jealousy, a, a, a righteous jealousy that wants better for someone. So that is really the hard part. So who is this God of yours? Who is this Jesus? Who is this man that can change or has changed your life? There's no way I could encompass all of what God says. I mean, the entire Bible is stories of who God is and encompasses his very nature. But one of them is in John 2 is there's flipping table Jesus. So what I'm not saying is if you have an anger problem that you could flip tables anywhere that you go. But what God did when he entered the temple at that point was to protect his house to be sacred. There is, his name is sacred. His space is sacred. His worship is sacred. And that's not what was happening there. So Jesus was flipping tables. That's, our God. that's one aspect of our God. The other one is in John 4. Is it, this is tender Jesus where he approaches the, the woman at the well 
he offers and sees where she's at. It's acknowledged he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. Those two cultures do not mix. But he offered her, like, I, I have water that, will, that you will never thirst again. And she's like, oh, really? She takes it literal. Like, where is this water? He's like, no, 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 no. Have you ever been in that, that conversation where you're tiptoeing into potentially being a hard conversation and that person just takes that information and either makes light of it or totally like flees from it and you're left be like, do I push further? I really need to address this or not? But guess what? Jesus did as tender Jesus. He did it. He approached that woman knowing where she was, why she was there in the afternoon, what her life circumstances, why those, those different um, aspects of how they even met there when the disciples left, that one-on-one interaction that he was tender Jesus. <laughs> in, in Luke, all the different parables, and you know, I call this the cable news Jesus, is that no matter what he did, the Pharisees, we're trying to catch him in everything, absolutely everything. You know, his, his authority was being questioned. All the different parables, you know, he had dinner at the one Pharisee's home on the Sabbath, so they were picking at that. You know, where, when, he was at the, when he was at the table, oh yeah, Jesus, what do we do? You know, do, do we pay taxes? Do we like worship the government or are we giving homage to God? What, you know, trying to catch him no matter what. And he spoke boldly, selflessly, fearlessly, in every situation. And in, in, um, in Matthew 10, or not Matthew 10, I'm sorry, in, um, in, in Luke 20, this was their response. Every time they tried to catch him was they were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public. And astonished by his answer, they became silent every single time. I mean, they were challenging the God of this universe. God is a man on earth. At every step, trying to catch him in, in what he was doing. And of course, there's dying Jesus. This is, the, this is the God who became a man, who was tried, beaten, bloodied, pretty much pulverized for you and me to hang on a cross. And he did it all willingly, and he chose that. So who is this? Who is this Jesus of yours? Who is this God? God told us that to love one another and people will know you're my disciples. I mean, the other thing is, that, you know, summing up, summing up our entire responsibility is like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And... Love your neighbor. So I'll leave you with two things. <clears throat> how do we find and how do we establish this, this unchanged security that we have in God? Two things. One is we need to unmask our beliefs. It sounds just really strange. It's like we need to determine... What are the things that we believe are truth that actually are really lies? There's so many opposites that they, they put it, that, that the, the Bible describes in here, you know, as far as like Paul describes it as, you know, when, I, when I'm weak, I am strong. It's, it's sort of like that. You know, in order to 
um, have life, you need to be a living sacrifice. It's sort of the opposite. You know, what do you tell yourself when you're either in the depth of despair in an awful situation or even at the, the, the highest mountain in absolute blissful, you know, happiness? Is that, are you, are you saying that I'm not good enough? Or maybe you're in that situation like, oh boy, I am that good. Or I can't finish, I can't fight this anymore. There's no way this is going to get done. They don't like me, they hate me. Possibly the opposite is true. Is that you're good enough because God is. That you can finish, that you can fight. You can fight for this even more because God can, and he has already. I mean, there's, there's the other thing is like, you know, giving to receive. It's such an opposite paradox that, that we may think is like, no, 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 like in order to get something, I need to get something. Like, no, there's much, much more that you get from giving. The one thing, this, is, this, this could totally change and put in perspective some pretty difficult things. In Matthew 10, it's the description of, you know, um, Jesus is talking and is teaching uh, his disciples. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoa. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake, we'll find it. Now, of course, there's context before and after that in that, in that passage, but it puts in the context the level and the order of security in our lives. So the first is unmask, unmasking those beliefs, determining what you believe to be true that may be a lie. The second is let's look for choice and not control. If we're looking and seeking and trying to reach the best optimal result, our goal is to find those options. It's, 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 to, it's to find that choice, not control them. Control stifles, it eliminates choices. You know, what's, what's that look like? Yeah, th- those are great words, but what's that look like into a committed relationship? Do you want commitment with choice? Or do you want commitment out of control. It's not really, you don't really have commitment if you're being controlled to, and forced into do, doing something. You know, if you, if you manage a team or if you have, you know, in, in your profession or uh, in, in your workplace, it's like the, the best result you get out of the people that you work with is their discretionary effort. Their choice to choose to do a great job because they understand the mission, they understand the goal to complete something and do something really, really well, as opposed to slamming them on the head with a hammer and, and expecting them to just do what I said because this is what needs to be done, period. I mean, that, that's, that's fully faceted between listening and, you know, what kind of accountability, you know, like try to tell your kid, say you're sorry. I'm like, sorry. Yeah, they're not choosing. We, we all lead our lives with, Daily choices. 
what we eat, what we do online, how do we manage our social profiles, our social, social platforms. But we can believe and we could get into what can be a habit or a behavior that gets into that rutted path that we could think that it's true. But it needs to be challenged. It needs to be challenged. And it's hard to change. But we also need to choose that security that comes from God. And God gives us that choice. God says, choose me or choose anything but me. It's those, it's those two options. And I could say it's like, choose security in God. Because our goal is to actually peer upon the face of our creator. And we just may be able to see what color the sower's eyes are. The fabric, the very essence of our being is because of who he is. Forever ago, now, and forever, and always will be. And we have available to us that unchanged security that's in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, you are perfect. Thank you for eternally being able to heal us, eternally with our body, our hearts, our, our salvation. God, I just ask that you can just restore, restore us, restore our souls in times of doubt and times of fear. Continue to empower us exactly where we need it to not fear evil that's around us, to overcome those thorns that may entangle us. God, if we feel just to, to, to put you in that corner, God, just help us to challenge those beliefs that we think that are true about you. Help us to dive in deeper to discover who you are and stand by us even in the midst of when we may feel alone in that crowd of people. Be our cool, clear stream of peace. But God, also be that fire that just sets us to take that next step to choose you in our security. You are our forever sower. And our and our unchanged security is in you, Jesus, that moves us forward. In your name we pray, amen.